I'd say one of the two major heartbeats of Manchester is music, the other being football. It's such a pleasure to be a part of this and to be a part of such a, a you know, such a great community. I guess it's um, like a family base now, isn't it? It's just having that, I think, support and you can just see other people around you that need you as much as you need them. You know, the fitness side's a massive bonus. But yeah, I just, I just wanted to go and just make some new mates, and I have. They're all part of it because they've all promoted what we're about and that whole ethos, which is which is amazing. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of the Happy Sundays podcast. For the minute I started these, the one thing that I said was that I wanted real people with real stories from both within the Happy Sundays family and beyond to come on and give a little bit of an insight into their life and their story and how they got to where they are now. In this episode, we're speaking to one of our own participants, Lucy Abbott. Now, Lucy has been part of Happy Sundays for just over a year now, coming to both the women's football sessions and also the mixed football sessions too. As you will hear in the episode, getting to a point where she was comfortable enough to attend sessions and not have her anxiety hold her back was a little bit of a struggle, but luckily she has managed to battle through it and is now one of our most active participants and really does credit Happy Sundays in helping her with both her physical health journey and also her mental health journey too. Lucy's story in regards to her mental health struggles over the years is quite fascinating. It's quite harrowing. So there is a little bit of a trigger warning here. Mental health issues, suicide, self-harm is all discussed within this episode. So if that might make you uncomfortable, then take this as your warning. But if you can and you are able to listen to the entire episode and listen to Lucy's struggles and how she's managed to get through them and get herself into a good place now, then please do so as I do think it will help a lot of people within our network and also beyond. We also chat plenty about football and fitness, uh, in particular football opportunities for women, uh, which as Lucy will say was quite limited when she was growing up. Lucy also discusses her creative side and also takes us through her love of dogs and gives a shout out to the two boys that you'll hear within the episode as well. So it's a great episode this one. Like I say, I think it will help a lot of people uh, listening to it who are having struggles with their own mental health or their own well-being. So if you can, uh, you are comfortable to listen to the entire episode and listen to, to Lucy's experiences, then please do so. And also remember to please give us a like and a share and a review, wherever it is that you listen to your podcast, because it really does help us out. So enjoy this episode, and like I've said previously, if you do want to get involved, just feel free to give us a message on our website or social media pages, and we'll love to do so. Lucy, thank you so much for coming on to the Happy Sundays podcast. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. You? Yeah, doing all right. It's a lovely sunny day. We're recording this uh, in an evening, but it's a lovely sunny day. And its uh, I know it was a lovely sunny day the other week when you did the Great Manchester Run. So my first question for you is, um, have your legs recovered from that yet? Yeah, surprisingly, somehow I, my legs were all right after it. I wasn't uh, it wasn't too bad after it. My, my legs, because obviously I, when, when, my, when I got to the finish line, um, the first person I saw, the first voice I heard was yours. We were like, come here, come here, let's get a picture, send it to the group. I was like, oh, right, okay. And I was really sort of dazed and confused afterwards because it was a really, really hot day that day, weren't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's weird because in the entire build-up to it, I was hoping and praying that it wouldn't rain. How wrong could I have been? <laughs> it was absolutely boiling. It wasn't your first go doing that run, though, was it? I believe you've done it before. How many times before have you done, done the Great Manchester run? Uh, that was my second time. First time I did it was last year. Right, okay, so you've done 22 and 23? Yeah. Right, okay. Was your training and preparation and whatnot for this one different than last year? Did you have more time to prepare or a bit less time? The last year was my first one. Completely went in it blind. Didn't really do any physical exercise or anything oh, wow. like a few years ago. So, yeah. Um, surprisingly did all right last year, but I was sore after it. Um, but then, obviously, since last year's, I've... Uh, I've joined the gym and play football and stuff, so a lot fitter, and I did do a lot more training this time. Well, that's it, because, you know, one thing that I, I do know is that you did have plenty of practice, as, as, as I did, in running around our football sessions and getting the legs moving, you just mentioned it there. This is just one of the reasons why I'm really pleased to have you on the podcast, because not only are you one of Happy Sunday's most active participants, you regularly make it known just how much these sessions help you 
not just with your physical health, but also with your mental health too. And this is something that we'll touch upon shortly. So I know, as I said then, that you appreciate just how much, well, not only you appreciate a lot the opportunity that you have to be able to play football in an environment such as the one that we've been lucky enough to create over the last couple of years. But it's not always been like that for women, has it? Particularly here in Withershaw. Tell me, if you can, about your frustrations growing up and wanting to play football, but just not having that chance to do so. I think growing up, for most people my age um, or around our age, um, it was very frustrating. It was mainly, I'd say, people's mindsets on girls playing. So there was some opportunities out there if you looked, but because people didn't know, it was you didn't know where to look. So I, I played football um, and a few of my friends did, but it was mainly local parks and things like that. Um, but unlike my brothers, my parents didn't support me playing football as much as they did them. So they they deemed it as a, a male sport as well. Um, so yeah, so that was probably the more frustrating side of it for me. Um, and then obviously once you get into like your high school age where all the years have the, the men's or boys teams like each year compete against different schools and stuff. Whereas for girls, we didn't really have that. Or if we did, it was just like a one-off where it would just be open to like all the girls in the school. So it'd be any age range and you were lucky if you got 11 players to play. So you know, they, 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 we didn't have the same opportunities as the lads did. And we didn't get to do it in like PE or anything like that. Yeah, that's one thing that I know sort of been mentioned sort of in the advent of the the, 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 Lion, the Lionesses victory last year in the Women's Euro. There was a stat that went round 63%, I think it was, of schools in England offered football part of PE lessons to young girls. So there's like, there's a lot of schools out there that aren't offering it. You know, there's, there's a lot that are, but there's also a lot that aren't doing it. And certainly, certainly when I was at school, um, I know I'm a, a couple of years younger than, than you were at, over at New Orleans. I don't remember any sort of opportunities for women to play football. Um, I remember it was netball that, that they used to sort of really push. And I remember you mentioned this in the interview you did with Radio Manchester last year, didn't you? About the netball, yeah. That was, um, so the netball we did in PE, which, you didn't really have any choice. You had to participate. It was part of the curriculum and part of your lesson. Um, but then at the end of each school year, I don't know if it was the same when you were there, but you'd have interform. as just like a fun thing to do at the end of the year. Yeah, remember and that. The lads would play football against each form and the girls would play netball. Um, and I didn't want to play netball. I wanted to play football. Um, with, and even like, because they couldn't get a girl, they couldn't get a full form of girls to play so I even asked if I could play with the lads team but it was a no-go um and then I was given the option of netball or nothing so I chose nothing and then got a detention <laughs> yeah I couldn't, get I couldn't believe that I was listening back to it yesterday uh the chat that you had with with Radio Manchester and I was a bit like wow like the fact that you sort of said well I'm not going to play at all and then ended up getting a detention off that it really did sort of blow my mind when we had, uh, last year, we had Farah and Kirsty um, on the podcast in a previous episode. I asked them in their one if they could remember any like proper grassroots girls football sides growing up around here in Withershaw. And they said they couldn't remember anything, so they just didn't bother as they simply didn't have the opportunity in terms of getting any sort of game of any sort then, really. So when you wanted to go and play football, you said then they just went to like the park or whatnot. Was it a case of, trying to join in with boys teams out there or was it a case of just going down the the park and kicking against the wall or trying to join in with some sort of game so it was mainly just playing with friends um i didn't really know that there was an option to join like lads team i think primary school age if i'd have gone to a team if my parents would have sucked me to a team i probably could have played because of the age um but didn't know that was a thing um but um i was actually lucky enough i think i was about 11 um, and a friend of mine played for Stockport County Girls, so I asked oh, to wow. uh, I was asked to fill in because they were short of players um, as the keeper. And so I, my oh, first wow. my, my first competitive game um, of football was for Stockport County in net um, at the Cliffs, which was brilliant wow. as a United fan. So yeah, you know, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine them so being in net though. 
I didn't it's, mind. It's a bit of an undiffed position, that, yeah. isn't it? The goalkeeper. That's where I used to play, though, when I was younger. So, um, yeah. Wow. So, uh, yeah. And then I joined for them after that um, competition. They asked me to join. So I signed on for them. And then I think then I obviously saw that there was a few more opportunities out there for girls, but it was completely, again, different in terms of the mindset because it was more, I think, people frowned upon it. It's not it's not for girls. Girls should be playing football. And it was more the um, encouragement and stuff like that, that that we didn't get. Yeah, it's like I said to you, I want to go about, like, certainly before the Women's URL last year and, and the subsequent sort of Lionesses success, before that, only 63% of schools in England offered football as part of the PE lesson, as part of the curriculum to young girls. And since then, the FA has now launched a scheme called Let Girls Play to try and increase states significantly by next year, by 2024. Obviously, back then, you were able to go to Stockport County and go to the Clare. But luckily now, you do have this opportunity to come and play football every week with ourselves as part of this sort of welcoming environment, no stigma, no prejudice. I asked this question to Kirsty O'Farra again when we did their podcast, and I'm intrigued to know your answer to this. Do you think that if there had been more opportunities, certainly within a school, for young girls when, when you when you were growing up and when you were at school, would your interest and your desire to get out there and play football now, at this stage of your life, be as high as it is? I reckon, um, for me personally, it would probably be higher than it is now. Um, okay. Maybe, obviously, not playing, but I reckon if I'd have been able to play as much as I would, I'd probably be more inclined to get out there and help with coaching and stuff like that. Um, I think my experience compared to Kirsty and Farrell was slightly different in that I did actually play competitive football um, yeah. uh, from like the age of eleven. Um, even though it was kind of off and on because of the lack of teams and games and stuff like that. Um, but I think if, if we was given the same opportunities that the lads were given, um, I would have been a lot more kind of involved and looked at doing something like that as a career. Did you like fall out of love with football a little bit then as you got older? Was that something that happened? It was more kind of, um, encouraged not to, if that makes sense, because, because for women, it could never be like professional it was it wasn't it wasn't something that you could do so unlike you know kind of my brother who would be like oh you know I want to be a footballer when I'm older and you know that was that was mm. that was okay for him to have that dream but for me to have it right. it's like well you can't be like you're not going to get paid for it and things like that the only opportunity that there would have been was would have been to move abroad um which right. I did actually get the opportunity when I was 18 and I was offered a scholarship to go and play in America. Wow. Because obviously over in America, I don't know if many people know, but women's football has been a thing for a lot of years. A long time, More yeah. so than men. It's only recently that the men's football, or soccer as they call it, has, um, has took off. So women's football out there was a big thing. Um, thinking back now, obviously it, it is one of my regrets that I never did it, but at the same time... I was 18 and it was a long way to go away from, Big commitment, yeah, yeah. Away from all your family and, and stuff yeah. like that when you've not got the encouragement that you may have had if you were male. You're talking there about like the professional side of it and obviously growing up you were saying that it was all right for your brother to think, well, I want to be a footballer. Of course, it's a lot different now because we have the WSL. Of course, there was such massive coverage last year with the Women's Euros. There's a Women's World Cup this summer as well. So that, so now little girls are growing up thinking, well, I want to be a footballer. I want to emulate Lucy Bronze, Bobby Kelly, Ella Toon, Alessia Russo. I want to go and do that. In terms of watching football then, so going on to watching it, you said before you're a big Man United fan. Um, we're recording this a few days before the FA Cup final. Don't know about you, but I'm so nervous. <laughs> We've got the final coming up against Man City. How do you think that game is going to go? Yeah. Can I say no comment? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think that's probably best to say, to be fair, at this stage. No, in, I mean, in um, all honesty, if you if you take away the fact that, you know, I am a United fan, it it is, you know, City are the, probably the, the stronger team, the better team. But I do think we have 
the ability in us as a as it being a derby to you know yep. you never know what's going to happen on the day i think we if we turn up we'd give, we'd give them a a good game but i don't know let's see what happens yeah. let's see let's see well to be fair depending on what happens will depend whether i cut this bit entirely from <laughs> when it eventually goes out onto the release so if it's still in then that's a good sign if it's been yeah. cut if you listen to it later on you sell and you find it's been cut then you know why yeah, I think as a red though, you'll probably feel the same that it's just annoying that it's in our hands that they could win the treble. That's, yeah, that's, that's the most annoying part. It's not just them winning because I think they'll do the Champions League. They've obviously already done the league, so yeah, we're kind of I think the only team that could prevent mm. that. But you don't know. You don't know. You don't. Have you been? Uh, have you been a lifelong United fan then? Yeah. Yeah. So can you remember your first game? Uh, yeah, it was Brian McClare's testimonial. Wow, okay. So what year was that, do you know? I think I was about five, so it would have been late 80s. Okay, right. So like only just sort of like start of the third year and I'm really into it. Yeah, maybe 90 or something like that. I was only young anyway. What's your opinion on the fact that they were the last major Premier League side to re- revive their women's team and to actually get them started up within the professional sort of game. Um, obviously, I know you said before about going to the cliff and playing for Stockport County. Do you know anyone from around that circle then who maybe had to go elsewhere, such as abroad or such as to Man City or Arsenal who've had their women's side for years rather than sort of because their dream of playing for United just wasn't there? Uh, well, yeah, mine, to be fair. Um, played okay. for City um, when I was about... 12, 13, um, and as a United fan, like, and being young, you don't really yeah. understand it, but it was, didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to put the kit on, but there was no other option. Yeah, wow. <laughs> there was a couple of us, and we, we used to put our United shirts underneath the City kits when we were playing. <laughs> That's all for I do, to be fair. Um, when we've played the uh, the mixed friendlies, I've noticed that in terms of your position on the pitch, you've usually been put out on the wing. Uh, you mentioned before that when you were younger, you were playing as a goalkeeper. So have you sort of like gradually progressed up the pitch to a winger or is it just a position that you sort of, sort of like fell in as the games have come? Yeah, so when I was younger, um, I always just used to play in net. I don't know whether it was just like a kind of safe spot, if that makes any sense. I know people don't like it, but I could just stay out of the way and do kind of my own thing. and. Yeah. A lot of the times when you played out and you played with the lads, they won't pass to you anyway. So being in net, they didn't have a choice. <laughs> so you you were always kind of involved if you were in net. Um, and I think I played as a keeper for the school and played as a keeper for Stockport and City. Um, and then I think I stopped playing probably when I was about 14, 16 for a couple of years. And then when I started again, um, I signed for Winslow Albion. Um, I think I was either 16 or 17. Um, I was in like first year of college and it was then that I decided I didn't, I wanted to try and play outfield. Um, and the wing was just kind of where I was put because I was quite fast when I was younger and I could cross the ball in, um, take the free kicks and stuff like that. So it was just kind of where I was put. But then over the years, I played everywhere except for striker. So I played right back, left back, centre back midfield, sweeper. <laughs> Was it like a go up front? No. No? No. Really? Why not? Yeah. Because I feel like I prefer to get stuck in and I think when you're up front, you're kind of waiting a lot of the time for it's the ball. Third, it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're relying on you're relying on the wingers and the midfield to sort yeah, of feed you them opportunities. Yeah. Okay. So in terms of like growing up then, were there other sports, were you sporty anyway out of school or were you? was it just a case of like, I, I just want to play football? Football was the main thing. Um, that was all I ever did like out of school. Um, but I absolutely loved anything outdoorsy. Um, so orienteering, uh, walking, um, any school trips that were like sport related. So like we do like the army camps, we went skiing, um, I always did the athletics every year and competed in like the Manchester schools athletics. Um, 
hated long distance though, so God knows why I did the uh, <laughs> the Manchester run. I was always a hundred meters or the hurdles. Get over and done with. Uh, yeah, freaking easy then ones, isn't it? We can't mention physical well-being without also mentioning the link that it does have to mental well-being also. So what has enjoying regular physical exercise, enjoying football again at this stage of your life, done for your mental well-being? It's completely like changed it. It's it's weird and it's hard to explain unless you kind of experience it, I suppose. But it actually okay. took me about six months to build up the courage to actually come to one of the sessions. A um, couple of my friends from Women's Shore Amateurs and Women's Low and stuff, they um, they were playing and were trying to get me back into it. And I kept mm. saying, yeah, I'll come next week, I'll come next week, I'll come next week. And when you suffer with anxiety, you kind of build it up too much in your head. So then when it actually came to the time, there'd either be like a massive panic that would come over you or you'd just, yeah, you just wouldn't go. Um, and then I think I just, one day I was like, right, I'm going to go. Um, and then I think I've been probably nearly every session since. With that then, about you mentioned about your anxiety and building up your head, you doing something like this today with me, that must be a big, big thing for you then. Yeah, massive. Um, yeah. Yeah. So probably a year ago, you wouldn't have had me on air. <laughs> no, I'm really, I'm really pleased that you've shared that, and I'm pleased about the fact that you are here doing this with me. I know just how big of a thing this is for you. So well done. Thank you for for doing this with me. I really do appreciate it. I know that as well as sort of coming to the sessions with Happy Sundays, you also work quite closely now with a personal trainer, and you go to the gym regularly, which in turn allows you to have um, a little bit of a physical transformation. So how did you find that trainer and what is it about them and their motivation that I've seen you sort of push on with this change? So first of all, and you can leave this in, I'm going to tell you that she's a coach. She's not a personal trainer because she hates that. Okay, so, um, that's fair enough. So if I say to her PT, she's like, no, I'm not a PT, I'm a coach. Um, and basically, um, I found Lydia through a friend who also suffered quite a bit with mental health and um, kind of like weight and eating and and stuff like that so the whole thing is about changing your mindset as well as being like physical it's not it's not just a case of going to the gym it's it's kind of the full package so with with the the program that i do you get the emotional support there's there's groups like chats um you do yeah. kind of well-being sessions as well as obviously the training sessions the food plan um all about how you know what you put into your body is what you get out of your body and how it all links and stuff like that um and yeah so hold on i've lost my trail of thought now so i think with her encouragement as well that's helped with keep on coming to the sessions um and going to the gym because again a year ago i'd never even been in a gym and wouldn't there's no way i would have gone round and like lifted weights and and things like that whereas now i just go in and and do it and like i don't i don't care <laughs> you, you, you mentioned her and i know myself from my own experience with like significant sort of physical transformation that it doesn't just change you the way that you look, as you said then, it also does change your outlook and everything. It is a complete shift in mindset. So what would you say has been the biggest shift in mindset across the last year for you then? I think more so it's probably my confidence. Um, so the more my kind of confidence has grown um, and the more you've got like that support network around you. Um, so again, it's hard to explain with, to somebody that doesn't know what happy sundays are about but mm. you know that it, it's kind of like a group of like-minded people there's no judgments on people um you've just got support there all the time there's all different you know walks of life and abilities and people have all got different disabilities and you know whether it be mental or physical or whatever and it's just having that I think support and you can just see other people around you that need you as much as you need them so not only are they helping you but then you realize that by you being open and honest and 
and saying about your struggles, you're obviously helping them as well. And I think that's kind of given me the confidence to probably just like speak out more and be a bit more vocal and a bit more um, like included in in stuff. Because again, it took Mm. me a while to come to the sessions. And then in terms of the um, other stuff that they do, it then took me another step to do that. On your social media, on your personal social media, you are quite open about your struggles with mental health. You've been quite open about um, about self harming, and and how you were just sort of existed at one point, not really living, or even wanting to live. Really, I've seen you also put on social media that you were really glad that you spoke up and that you were quite open with it, and that you are quite open with it still. I only want to go as far as you're sort of willing to take it, obviously. And if we if you want to stop at any point, just tell me and we can stop. But who was it that you reached out to at that time and just how bad did things get before you were able to sort of reach out to someone and speak to them about how you were feeling? So again, with with kind of mental health, I think when you struggle, it's you can't always kind of pinpoint a specific um a specific time or a specific reason. Um so I'm I'm so open about it now and have been for the past kind of couple of years because I struggled in secret for so long um, and I know now how much communicating with others helps helps you um, and I could literally probably just sit here and talk for hours and hours about how important it is to, to be open and not to judge and things like that um, but Basically, in a nutshell, I, I've struggled with my mental health since about the age of six, um, okay. which most people think is quite young, um, especially for, for someone self-harming at that age. Um, but I was quite a kind of mature six-year-old um, and managed to hide the fact that I self-harmed for like 30 years. No one knew. Um, wow. And again, a lot of um, what would be the words? Like people, people think that self harming is cutting, and and they don't understand it's not. It's not just that. Self harming is beating yourself up mentally. It's it's lashing out. It's it's kind of slamming things, throwing things, um, punching walls and stuff. It's not. It's not just as simple as cutting yourself. Um, so. As a child, I would take my frustrations out like when people weren't around. So it'd all build up and then every now and again I'd just kind of lash out and and let all my emotions out. Um and also people think that it's like a cry for attention and it's not always that it's it's a release for a lot of people, and that's what it was for me. Um obviously because I never spoke out for such a long time it did progress and it got to the stage where like throwing something wasn't quite enough to to get out my frustrations and I think the longer you struggle with it internally the more it, it builds up um so then you know the cutting and the burning and stuff like that did come um a lot later on um but again I think I was then good at hiding it so it would be where nobody would see the marks no one would see the burns or the cuts or anything like that and I think being quite a tomboy growing up I was never in short skirts or short shorts or anything like that so everything everything could stay covered up um so nobody really knew um and it wasn't until 2017 when I actually reached out and got professional help um and then I was in a really, really bad place and I just felt completely stuck and the journey that I was kind of on was just like deeper and deeper and I didn't really see any way to to get off the path that I was on. Um, but because by that point, I think people had started to notice my behaviours had changed and noticed, you know, that I was kind of cut in and and it wasn't healthy and it was actually my wife at the time that basically forced me to go and speak to somebody 
which right. again is why now I'm so open about people speaking because I know now how important it is to to speak out and possibly you know if she hadn't have made me at the time but it was it was a case of I can't carry on acting and being the way that I was because I was going to cause serious harm or you know she she couldn't cope with it either so if I didn't go and tell somebody she was going to so kind of right. put it in my um in my control I suppose to go and do it yeah uh, put the ball in your court yeah they? um okay so I made a GP appointment and then it kind of went from there it was a massively long process um it took a while after the initial appointment for me to admit that I actually had a problem because at first I was sure that I was in control of it and I knew what I was doing and it wasn't an issue and I could stop and and stuff like that um but I think I was just really lucky to have the GP that I had as well the GP I saw at the time was actually only a temporary one I think she was there just for like six months or something but um I do think it depends as well on who you who you open up to who you speak to um and she fully invested in me and and helped me like she gave like a hundred and ten percent to to helping me um it took um three lots of antidepressants before I found one that fit me because again people just think antidepressants yeah just take them you'll be fine but each one works in different ways each one is for different reasons different people uh react yeah. to different medications so yeah it took actually three three different tries of medication before one actually suited me the side effects to them as well isn't yeah there is side effects as well so um yeah. a couple of them actually made me worse so and um, believe it or not you take them for depression and anxiety but you end up feeling worse so yeah yeah just heightens it a bit yeah exactly so it was it was difficult um and i mean to just to just kind of wrap it up the the long process um was hold on a minute so yes i've just wrote down a few words here and okay so um the trial and error with the medication, uh, trial and error with therapy as well, because people just think therapy, you can go to therapy and that'll fix everything. But there's different types of therapy, there's different types of um, coping mechanisms, there's um, there's all different things. I think it was three different attempts at therapies before one actually worked for me. Um, and along the journey, so I think within the three years of having the different medications and the different therapies, um, there was also two suicide attempts, one of which resulted in me being sectioned. Um, and I spent time in North Manchester Mental Health Facility. Um, but we won't go into that because I could probably spend about five hours slating <laughs> the mental just for the for the NHS because it was just appalling. Um Apparently. and on top of that as well, um so when I said a minute ago about I felt like I was in control of the self harm, I actually had an incident where I had a near fatal self harm incident that resulted wow. in eleven stitches, um and yeah, a trip to A and E. And I think that for me was when I realised I wasn't in control of it. Um and then eventually was diagnosed with um, EDD, which if people don't know what it is, it's emotional deficit disorder. And okay. if you look into it, it's basically um, a person will, um, I can't think what the word is now, but you, you'll get, it's, it's from like early stage of life. So um, your first 18 months of your life, um, I didn't form like a parental bond, like an emotional bond with my parents. So okay. that's what then led to me not being able to cope emotionally and communicate. Um, and that's what it was. Um, so something that happened as a child or a baby even had then resulted in later life 
kind of problems and emotions and stuff like that. I don't think it's ever going to be something that is going to be cured type thing, but with mm. obviously the help that I've had now and and everything that I've learned, I just I know how to deal with it now. And that's why, again, I want to be so open and try and help other people. One thing, when you say that then, one thing that someone said to me once when I was on my mission, my, my weight loss mission and whatnot, um, but I was getting towards the end of it, someone said to me, you won't beat fat, but you can stay beating it. And that's the thing that I've always had in my head. Well, as long as I stay beating it, that's fine for me. Is that what it's like with you? As long as you stay yeah. sort of beating that, yeah, what, what happened in the past. So it, yeah. it's a case of I have got this, but it's not who I am. So, okay. you know, yeah. there's a lot yeah. more to me than that. And as long as I know how to manage it. And again, if I just go back to the GP that I had and the way that she kind of spoke to me and and made me kind of rationalise it in my head is, it's just the same as somebody that has a physical illness. So, yeah. you know, you, you you have diabetes. It's not necessarily something you can help. It's something that you've got. It doesn't have to control you. You have to control it, whether it be medication, whether it be a diet, but it's in your control. And it's the same yeah. for, for a mental health issue. It, it can be in your control. You just need the right tools to to be able to control it. I know today you sort of shared a, a very sort of again a very open post today about um, like your checking if your transformation. You said that um, there's a there's an end line or something like that. There's, a, there's an end line in sight. Is there an end game with with the, the work that you're doing with your coach or whatnot? Is there is there like a mission or a milestone that you are working towards? No, I think kind of like you said, then it's just something that is always going to be there. It's something that's always gonna you know it's gonna stay with you for life but it's how you how you handle it how you adapt your life to it so it's just all about the mindset and if you know what is going to work for you you just have to keep that going uh, absolutely whatever way it is whether it's you know going to the gym if that's going to help then you do that if it's if it's simply just a case of having to take medication every day for the rest of your life. If that's what works for you, that's what works for you. It, there's, I don't think for me there's necessarily an end goal. Um, I think it's just taking each day as it comes. Um, yeah. When I first kind of went on the journey with the coach, it was mainly to lose weight. But now I'm not, I'm not massively fussed about what I weigh. It's about how I feel. Um, and I feel like a completely different person now than I did 12 months ago. Yes, I have lost a bit of weight, but scale-wise, I've, I've not lost that much, but I'm like a completely different person. That's it. It's, it's that shift in mindset, as we said before. It's the, the shift in mindset, and I, I totally understand that, and I know a lot of people listening to this will do as well. But like you say, it's finding that thing. It's finding something that, that can keep you on that track and keep you... Uh, something that you enjoy. I know something else that you really enjoy. Yeah. Something that I do want to sort of touch touch on is uh, is sewing and craft. You've got your own sort of little side hustle that you do as well, haven't you? Um, called Crafty Florists. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Crafty Florists um, began in two thousand. Oh no, I think it was in lockdown. It actually began, but it was okay. um, off the back of a really tough year I had in two thousand nineteen. I was obviously still going through. Um, my therapy and and kind of my journey to find myself and stuff. And then in 2019, I lost my nana suddenly. Um, she died of a heart attack. Um, wow. so it was it was kind of really sudden um, loss. <laughs> and she was a big part of my life. Um, and then a month after that, I lost my job. So it was it was a bit of a tough year. Um, and I kind of just started the sewing as something to to fill my days with um as well as walking the dog um but yeah so <laughs> just using up free time um i've always been quite creative um i've always kind of made stuff upcycled drawn painted i've done all all stuff like that and then 
I don't know, the, the sewing just kind of, yeah, it just came, came as like a gap filler, but it just blew up. Like, it, it just went a bit crazy, to be fair. And because people were saying, like, how good some of the stuff was that I was doing, and they said that, you know, you should... It is really good, to be fair. So, yeah, it just kind of uh, it just kind of took off from there. The the name of it there, this old Crafty Florist, where does that come from? So that is from my nanas. So growing up, my nanas were a huge part of my life. Um, both both grandparents and um, spent a lot of time with them growing up. They were probably the biggest influence on me. Um, and my mum's mum was called Flo and my dad's mum was called Doris. So it's kind of ah, their name. Okay. I like that. That's quite a nice, like, sentimental sort of thing to do to put that into the name of it. Um, I think that's quite nice. You said that you've always, like, had like had this creative side to you. You, you. You've painted and done these sort of things. And, you know, as you sort of alluded to, then you do make these amazing items. Some of the stuff that I've seen you make, I'm like, wow, that's really, really impressive. I know you've done Christmas stockings, you've done blankets, pictures, cushions. And it's a real, real skill that not many people have. Sewing and craft work, is that something that you were taught or is it something that you just sort of picked up yourself? Um, it's something that I just kind of picked up myself. Um, I did textiles at school, but actually failed my GCSE, so we won't go into Oh, wow. <laughs> um, didn't really enjoy it when I was younger, um, but I think... When you're younger and you you know you you're learning to sew and stuff like that and you're told to things yeah. that girls should do, it, it, I probably kind of rebelled a bit against it and didn't like it. Whereas yeah. the things that I do now with Crafty Flores, it's all kind of like imaginative and it's not necessarily following patterns. It's just like someone will give me an idea of what they want and I can kind of envision it and then just make it. So that okay. side of it is kind of self-taught. Um, and I think I probably get it from my dad. So um, not that he sews, but he's quite kind of creative. Um, yeah. And he's made a lot of stuff over the years. Um, oh, we've made like stuff together. His is mainly kind of woodwork or electricals and things like that. But I've then added kind of my touches to some of it. Um, no, I think, as I say, I think it's really, really nice. I, I know that you do like to show off what you do on social media. Um where can people find the account? Is it is it on Instagram? I know you've got an Instagram account for it that shows what you've been working on. Do you want to give that a bit of a shout yeah, out? Yeah, so Instagram or Facebook. Um, if you just look up Crafty Florists, which is F-L-O-R-I-S. There's no T on the end, which people often mistake. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Perfect. Should we talk a little bit about your boys? I want to say this. I don't mean humans when I say that either. I mean your dogs, because you're a big, big dog person, aren't you? Huge dog person, yeah. You are, yeah. How many dogs have you actually got yourself? Because I know that you bring, you bring, you've got Bill into the box, right? You bring, you bring him to some sessions sometimes with his own Happy Sunday shirt. Uh, you've also got another one. Is it just the two you've got? Is it more? It's just the two I've got now. Um, did have family dogs, but we lost them in lockdown. Um. So yeah, so I've got Billington, who's the boxer, and then I've yep. got Bobby Big Ears, which is my rescue dog. Um, and if anyone saw a picture of him, they'd understand why we call him that. <laughs> yeah, I, I did notice that he has got um, abnormally big ears, uh, but I love that. I love the fact that you actually uh, pull that into his name. Uh, you also do a lot for a charity called Dogs for Rescue. We mentioned the Great Manchester Run. I know that you ran that as part of the team and you fundraised for them this year. And I also know that with Crafty Florists, some of the um, profits from anything that you sell, you end up giving to um, Dogs for Rescue as well. I know that a percentage of it goes to them. So I take it that's a, a cause that's really, really close to your heart. Is, is there a personal connection there with them, is there? Yeah, so, I mean, there's a bit of a personal connection now because it's where I got Bobby from. Um, okay, but, yeah, I thought um, it was, yeah. It, I think more the connection was just... Um, the story behind it, um, it was very, it kind of very much resonated with me and kind of my love for animals. Um, so yeah. if if people haven't heard of Dogs for Rescue, it's a Manchester-based kennel free rescue. Um, and it was founded by Emma Billington, which is just a coincidence that she's got the same name. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was going to ask, but not ask that yeah. fair enough. <laughs> um, well, she began the rescue um, yeah. just because, yeah, because she loved, 
animals and obviously a lot of rescues you know they will put animals down and if they can't be rehomed and stuff like that and she she doesn't do yeah. that there's you know there's no kennels and um, she also has the daycare she was the first person to open a kennel free daycare um and she's just kind of fought for everything that she believes for the animals so yeah. you know even when when they tried a couple of years ago to close down the dog hotel because they said it was unsafe for the dogs not to be restricted at night but yeah. as a dog person you'll know yourself you don't you don't want your dogs to be you want like a home from home for them if if they're treated as a family member some dogs um, you know are quite happy in kennels but there are some that aren't and there are some that will fret and you know and it, it's not a nice environment if they're not used to it um so no. she's all about kind of home from home and you know she won't she won't rehome dogs that won't live in a home either so you know she'll give them a forever home at the rescue and they'll just become sanctuary dogs and stuff like that so yeah it's it was just more i think just the belief that she had and yeah i just think what she oh. does is great your fundraising page is that still open if people wanted to go on to that if i put a link to that in the episode description is that still open for people to, to donate yeah, it should still be open it's yep. on the uh, dogs for rescue site as well um and at the minute everything that they're making is to go into a new site that they've um that they've acquired which is bigger okay. so that they can obviously help more help animals yeah. it's not just dogs either like you know she she rescues goats cows chickens uh -huh. <laughs> obviously doesn't then rehome them but they, they you know for whatever reason they need rescuing and she'll give them a home as well oh that's brilliant i'll make sure that i put that um that link into the episode description then and then if people want to go on that and donate to him then they can do uh, i'm sure you're going to get a lot of a lot of dog lovers a lot of animal lovers uh listening to this and uh, we'll certainly resonate with that uh, we are going to wrap this up shortly. I will let you get going. But before we do that, I can't let you come on here without discussing something which I saw you put on social media a couple of weeks back. I thought it was really, really interesting. Um, now, I know that you should never ask somebody their age because it's rude, but I do know that you have a significant milestone birthday coming up. And to do this, you put together somewhat of a bucket list. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I think, again, just with the... Um the change in my mindset over the last 12 months i've just kind yep. of wanted to push myself a bit more and experience a bit more i mean i have experienced a lot in my life and i've done some amazing things but i just kind of want to see how far i can push myself with something so i came up with this list i mean some of them are really simple and easy to tick off um yeah obviously couldn't like do 40 things <laughs> it had to be uh had to be achievable um so it's anything from riding an open top bus in manchester to climbing the three peaks like there's there's all different things in there yeah i mean i've, I've got a few of here i mean you said you've got some more straightforward ones you've got like visit stonehenge uh visit the angel in the north make a top 10 uh list of vegan restaurants in manchester have a meal at each one and then you've got the slightly madden ones you've got five snowden uh, complete a half marathon, which arguably would be the next step from doing the 10k. Uh, and then you've got to jump out of a plane. Um, so, you know, that's an eclectic mix if you ever did see one, to be fair. <laughs> um, how many of them have you ticked off so far? Um, I think I've ticked off four. Um, and okay. There's another one pending, but you'll have to wait for that one. And then I'll, uh, I'll post the next one when I've done it. Okay. I know one of them was watch Man United at Wembley. Uh, you did that for the FA Cup semi-final against Brighton, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that? I mean, obviously they, they won. It was a long, and then they put us through the mill with it with penalty shootout. Yeah, you got that uh, But I, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say you got your money's worth with it. I imagine it was a really sort of enjoyable experience for you. Know, was it your first trip to Wembley? It was my first trip. Yeah. So again, that that's yeah. kind of like something as a, as a lifelong football fan. I'd never been to Wembley. Yeah. You know, I've been. I've been kind of all different countries. I've been to, you know, the San Zero and um, New Camp. Wow. I've been to stadiums in America and everything, but I've never been to Wembley. So it's like, why? <laughs> why that was on there. Um, and lucky enough, my brother and my dad have season tickets for United. So okay. they're, they're tickets that I'm, I used. So, yeah. Um, 
but it was it was a great experience um i'll definitely be going back again yeah hopefully hopefully if they, if they win on saturday then there'll be uh, there'll be chance for a charity shield in august which will also take place at wembley so there might be room for you to do that as well so you might be able to take that off twice on your little yeah. list that you've got which will be be nice won't it um well listen good luck with taking the rest of them off i do wish you all the best with it um if there's any that you want any help with let us know with, with it happy sundays if there's anything that people can do listening to this to get involved with um then we will try our best we are we might have to speak with joe and see if we can get some friendlies arranged in scotland and the northeast he can do stonehenge and things like <laughs> that um we'll try our best with that one uh but no good luck with it um like i said before thank you so much for coming on to this i know it's a like a big bit of big sort of thing for you uh before you go I just want to give another shout out for your social accounts again for crafty florist so um that is at crafty florist on instagram is yep, that right yeah yeah um i know billington as i said before he's got his own instagram account with bobby um where where can people find his adventures? Yeah, so if you go on Instagram um, and just search Billington the Boxer Dog, you'll see um, Bill in his Happy Sunday shirt, and um, Bob, Mr. Bobby Big Ears is the other one. You'll see his um, his journey from him being rescued on the streets of uh, Bulgaria to living his uh-huh. best life here in Manchester. Oh, I love that, Lucy. Thank you so much for being part of this and being a guest on the Happy Sundays podcast. It's uh, it's been really. Uh, really eye-opening a really nice chat um and i think i think it's going to help a lot of people with their own sort of mental and physical health issues uh listening to this i think i think it's going to help a lot a lot of people out listening to this so again thank you so much and uh yeah it's been a pleasure chatting to you yeah, no worries um and just to add on the end as well if anyone wants to reach out um they can message me via crafty florist and i can kind of try and help them as well if you know if they're unsure of what routes to take to to seek help if they're struggling so if they just drop me a message via facebook or instagram on my crafty florist um i'm always willing to help as well brilliant love that thanks lucy thank you very much no worries cheers josh <laughs>